In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christianity isn't first and foremost about the Christian. Christianity isn't first and foremost about you or me. Christianity is about Christ. He is the center, not us. He is the source, and in him we have life. Christianity, then, is about who Christ is, what he has done, and what he continues to do. Christ is no mere historical figure. The events of his earthly life are indeed part of history, as is his resurrection. But his resurrection means precisely that he is the risen, living, breathing source of a new creation. And indeed, we are part of his new creation. He has given us new birth in holy baptism, and he has filled us with his Holy Spirit. He not only justifies us and makes us right with God, he also sanctifies us and makes us more and more as he himself is. So no matter how you look at it, true Christianity is always about Christ. One of the great gifts to the church is the church year, because the church year focuses our attention not on what some individual pastor thinks will bring in the biggest crowds, not on what he thinks the majority of the congregation would find entertaining. The church here focuses our attention week in and week out on Christ. In the first half of the church year, we meditate especially on the person and work of Jesus. For example, in Advent, we remember his coming and incarnation in the womb of the Virgin Mary. When God becomes man, everything changes. We see, too, that God's own Son becomes one of the most despised creatures in all the earth, a fetus. As an aside, it's then quite obviously satanic to think that abortion could be some kind of political freedom. Every human being that God makes begins as a fetus. And when God's own son became man, he became a fetus as well. Human life is so sacred to God that God laid down his own life to give us human life forever. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of God's son, the birth of God in human flesh, and the salvation that he has come to win for us. He is called Jesus, a name which means Savior, because he has come to save those who cannot save themselves, those who deserve death and eternal punishment on account of their many sins. In other words, all of us, sinners of every kind, both great and small, both known and unknown, he has come to save us all, and there is salvation in no one else and by no other name. In Epiphany, we see that he has come not only for the Jews, and certainly not for the restoration of Israel to some sort of earthly political prominence. Instead, we see that he has come for all people, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, that he might make for himself a new human race and kingdom that is not of this world, a race and kingdom that will inherit the new heavens and the new earth. In Lent, we meditate on the present state of the fallen human race and on what great suffering and faithfulness it would take to win our redemption. 
The truth, of course, that we all know is that we've made a disaster of this world, a disaster of the human race, a moral disaster of ourselves corporately and individually. Behind all the moral outrage that you see on TV and in social media are really guilty consciences, profoundly guilty people desperately trying to draw attention to the sins of others so as not to seem so bad themselves. And in truth, we are all guilty of this. Salvation is so far beyond our reach, it's both laughable and utterly despair-inducing. If we could ever be set right, it would come at such great difficulty and cost that only God and God in human flesh could accomplish it for us. In Holy Week, we see how this is accomplished and with what great and selfless love, with what faithfulness and faithful suffering, with what great passion in the deepest and most dynamic sense of the word. We come to know the nature of the love of God most poignantly in the scourging, crowning, nailing, and crucifying of the one who not only endures these things from the hands of his own creatures, but endures these things for his own creatures, that even through our profoundest evil toward him, he would work for us our profoundest good. At Easter, we celebrate his salvation complete and his resurrection in fact. His sacrifice for our sins is accepted by God, who raises him from the dead. Our sins are atoned for, along with the sins of the entire world, and God is once more reconciled to man. Our sins, great and terrible, and chronic and perverse as they may be, are blotted out by his divine blood are so completely forgiven, they are no longer even reckoned to us, let alone counted against us. And this divine forgiveness, won by the blood of Jesus, is simply received through faith. It is simply to be believed. It can't be merited or earned or paid back. In fact, to attempt such would be deeply insulting. It can be and is only received by faith. For from the beginning, God has only wanted to be believed when he speaks. And this great gospel proclamation, this great good news of God's forgiveness of our sins, won by the blood of Jesus, goes forth throughout all the world's geographies and eras, the everlasting gospel and the mystery of God's redemption of the world goes forth even now, even to us, and yes, through us, to others. The joy of Easter is the reality of Easter, and the reality of Easter is its joy. The power of death has come undone, for Jesus is risen in fact, historical fact, Falsifiable fact, objective fact, fact corroborated by all manner of witnesses and evidence and additional facts. 
Jesus is risen. And as it goes for Jesus, so it will go for all who believe in him. We need only wait. We need only endure in faith. And indeed, this life is very short. But what our Christ has done for us is eternal. Even now, already, death has come undone. As Christ is risen, we shall rise. And this great joy is the reality and foundation of our lives as Christians. It is the reality and foundation of all that we think and say and do. We know how this all ends. We are going to be victorious with Jesus. And all the doom and gloom that we have seen and known shall evaporate like a cloud before the shining face of our returning Lord. Christianity is, of course, all about Jesus. From Advent through Easter, and from Easter on. Of course, at present, we are in the fourth week of the season of Easter. So how then do we hear our gospel for this fourth Sunday of Easter? Well, we hear that as it once was, so it continues to be. Jesus is rejected by some, and he is loved by others. And this is precisely the judgment. It is the judgment of the world in an ever-present tense. Jesus is the shepherd who enters through the door. Because he is the genuine shepherd of the sheep, he alone may enter. All others are impostors and false saviors. They attempt to climb in another way. They are thieves and robbers, strangers and murderers, as Jesus himself calls them. They will not lay down their own lives and thus give life to the sheep. They will not and they cannot. They come to take advantage of the sheep, to steal and kill. He comes not to steal or to kill, but to give and to lay down his own life that we might have life in him and have it abundantly. Jesus is not only our good shepherd, but as he says, he is also the door of the sheep. If we enter by him, we will be saved. And not only will we be saved, we will find pasture, he says. We will find true and lasting peace. We will find true and lasting joy. And we will find all things made right. We will find this, but only in Christ, only by entering through him. He alone is our door to everlasting communion with God. So, Jesus alone is the door. If we enter by him, we shall be saved, just as he says. And Jesus alone is the good shepherd. If we follow him and listen to his voice, we shall have life, just as he says. Now, as Augustine points out, Jesus wouldn't say that he is the door unless there were other doors. And Jesus wouldn't say that he is the good shepherd unless there were also bad shepherds. There are indeed many false doors which are not actually doors, and false shepherds which are not actually shepherds, and false Christs who are not actually Christ. In truth, there is only one door, one shepherd, and one Christ, and he is the Christ of the Scriptures. Whatever is contrary to this Christ is simply of the devil who is himself the greatest thief and robber, the greatest stranger and murderer of all, 
and the true Father of all who are such as He. He is not the door to freedom, but the door to dead, uh, the dead end of hell. And He is not the good shepherd, but the wolf in whatever clothing we find most attractive. As complex as this world may be, it is also just this simple. There is one who seeks, by whatever means necessary, to take your life away from you for all eternity. And there is one who lays down his own life for you, that you might have life in his name and have it abundantly for all eternity. So listen to Jesus. Follow him. No doubt you will sin. No doubt you will doubt. No doubt from time to time you'll fall. But Christianity isn't about you or me or any of us. Thanks be to God. Christianity is about Christ. He is the door, the good shepherd, the pastor and bishop of your soul. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit,